I'm Dave Breckenridge, and you're listening to 10.3. We're down to the last 24 hours until cannabis becomes legal in Canada. But even though that landmark day is approaching, it doesn't mean all the smoke is cleared when it comes to retail sales and police enforcement of new laws around the black market and impaired driving. Today, we look at how the legal pot landscape is shaping up. It's Tuesday, October 16th. Megan Henderson is the executive producer of The Growth Op, Post Media's newest editorial brand focused on cannabis. So, Megan, starting on October 17th, Canadians will be free to light up without fear of arrest or a criminal record. But the landscape province to province looks a little different depending on where you are. What can you tell us about, you know, who's more ready than others or what some of the roadblocks have been? In terms of who's more ready, it's really hard to say that because everybody's sort of had issues on different levels. Uh, You know, if you look at Ontario, our retail is is behind, but so are a lot of other provinces. They're all in different stages of of approving licensing for private retailers or for opening their stores if they're provincial. You know, even the legislation on where you can and cannot smoke is uh, or, or consume cannabis is changing even at the municipal level city to city, town to town, province to province. So I don't know that anyone is more ahead of anybody else. I think certainly the only province that I can say is is going to be ahead in anything is going to be Newfoundland and Labrador, who will be the first ones to legally open any retail shops uh, on the 17th. So they've been approved to open uh, as of 12.01 on October 17th, which uh, is just something that's come out recently in the last week. Hmm. Uh, so they're they're going to win the race in terms of who gets to open first, which is interesting. And then it'll roll out as time zones permit across the country. You have some provinces that are going with publicly owned stores. You have some provinces that are going with privately owned stores, and they're rolling out at different times. You even had one province uh, who at first said, we're going to go public, And then a new premier was elected and uh, he decided that, no, no, we're going to go with private stores. But that means that stores won't be open until the new year. I think this may have surprised a lot of people that um, they had hoped come October 17th that legalization meant they could walk into a store in their city or town and legally buy marijuana and legally spark up a joint. But that's not exactly the case. I wonder if you could talk about what Doug Ford has done in Ontario. Sure. I think it's really interesting. I, you know, I, I, I'm not a, a big Doug Ford fan uh, personally, but I think, you know, what he's done with cannabis is is very interesting for the space. And I think, you know, it's the one thing where I really feel like he he his team at least and himself got it pretty close uh, you know he's he's essentially the team you know from the pc government has said you know we want this to be about small business and, and growth uh in the ontario economy and so in doing so they've said that licensed producers can only have a farm gate store you know attached to their to their one of their grow facilities uh now whether or not that that holds true to the end i think you know we'll we'll see once this starts rolling out uh, likely april is when they 
they've said they think the first store brick and mortar stores will open in Ontario. I, you know, again, I think we'll have to see if that uh, restriction on licensed producers, retail locations will hold water until that point. But uh, what it does offer is the average person an opportunity to get into this space. And we do certainly have a lot of uh, black and gray market participants now who have illegal dispensaries open, who want to participate and be legal. And so this gives them an opportunity to, sh- to shut down and, and go through the licensing process and be a part of that, as opposed to uh, some provinces like Saskatchewan, where it was sort of a lottery and, and uh, some people really won in that lottery and some people didn't. So I think in terms of Ontario, it should be a really interesting rollout. And, and I hopefully will see a lot more uh, independent business people and, and small business people really given the opportunity to, to take this and run with it. So you mentioned black market and gray market operations. Uh, Cities like Vancouver and Toronto have had dispensaries operating for quite some time. Uh, People are quite used to seeing those uh, around, even though they'd be frequently raided by police. What happens to those on Wednesday? That's a great question. And I think, you know, if you are in Vancouver right now, and I've seen a lot of Twitter posts around this and in specifically in and around BC, you know, there's there's a lot of fire sales happening right now because the provinces have basically said to these individuals, if you want to participate in the legal market, you need to shut down your dispensary now before the 17th and go through the process. And so those individuals that are aiming to participate are essentially doing, as I said, a fire sale. They are selling off their inventory at a discounted price to clear the shelves, make as much money as they can before they have to shut their doors because they don't know how long the licensing process may take them. Um, and and really, they're, 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 there's going to be people that stay open. There's certainly going to still continue to be gray market activity. Anybody who thinks that as of Wednesday, hallelujah, prohibition is over and suddenly everything's just going to run smoothly is kidding themselves. You know, Bill, Bill Blair said it, uh, you know, a lot of people have said it within the industry. And, and uh, I think it's really important for the average Canadian to understand that while the goal is ultimately to uh, shake the grip that the black market and organized crime has on cannabis, it's going to be a process. You know, we still to this day have uh, black market tobacco sales. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I don't think that anything is going to change with cannabis that we suddenly just see all these dispensaries uh, shutter and, and it's no longer an issue. It's going to be a process. Some are immediately going to close within the next couple of days and they're going to participate in the legal market. Some will stay open and take their chances. And when you're making 20 to 50K cash a day, in some cases for these dispensaries, as far as they're concerned, you know, if they get shut down, they'll open up in another spot three days later. So it's going to take a lot of um, rigorous enforcement by the the police departments and and the federal and provincial governments to help uh, reduce their participation in the market and make it worth uh, Canadians while to participate with legal licensed producers and their product. Is it a challenge, though, to get people to participate in a legal market when you have such a variety of challenges with these legal markets being set up. In BC, the first store is only going to be open in Kamloops. There's not even going to be one in Vancouver uh, come Wednesday. In Alberta, it's in a handful of cities uh, across the province. In Ontario, there won't be any until April. And if you want to order it online, you're paying a shipping fee. Like People are still going to go with what's convenient. What have uh, law enforcement and politicians been saying about trying to to make people want to participate in the open market? 
I, you know, to be honest, I haven't heard a lot from the actual uh, provincial governments or the federal government. Obviously, they want people to participate and they know, you know, it's not going to be easy in the beginning. There's a there's a an uphill transition that has to happen right now. What I will say is anecdotally, I hear from a lot of people too, uh, both medical and recreational users, that they're excited about this because there's a consistency level um, when you're getting your product from a licensed producer that you cannot get from the black or gray market. Now, there are a lot of gray market participants who do send out their product for testing and, and they they do take the onus upon themselves to be transparent with their clientele, which is great. But because they're getting it from different sources and because uh, you know, there's a black market and, and organized crime element to it. They don't know if they're if they're helping to um, exacerbate that issue. So I would say, you know, for those people, yes, you're right. There's going to be convenience uh, buying. People are still, they're not going to immediately break up with their dealer or their illegal dispensary. Some will. There's certainly a portion of, of the population who want to be in the legal market and they don't like taking their chances buying from an, uh, a gray market source. They don't want to be fined or ticketed or anything like that for for just wanting to recreationally or medically use cannabis. So I think there's some people that are just easily going to make that walk over. I think the other issue is quality. Um, Certainly growing at large amounts, you know, when we see uh, producers who are uh, building really large facilities over a million square feet full of plant product, you know, we just heard Afria uh, owned up to the fact that they had to destroy some uh, product because they couldn't get qualified workers to uh, harvest it in time. So these are the challenges that have to be worked out because we're now growing at such large quantities that, you know, nobody's ever done before. So uh, there's amount of unknown there that has to be dealt with. And the quality of the cannabis, you know, if, you, if you've been in cannabis for a while as a recreational user or as a medical user, there's a grading system. And obviously not everybody uses that system, but most uh, individuals who uh, treat cannabis more like a wine or a craft beer situation, they're looking at that quality. And in in a lot of cases, the licensed producer's product is what we would deem a double A. Maybe you'll get a triple A. If you're going to some of the smaller, more premium brands like Broken Coast, you may get a, a quad or uh, uh, something of that nature. But a lot of what we're hearing from people who are buying from the licensed producers is that they're getting a double A quality. And if you go to a gray market, you may get a, uh, you are likely to get a higher quality product. But you also don't know what pesticides they're using or if they're testing the quality of their product. You don't know if they call it OG Kush, if it's actually OG Kush. So there's no rigor around their products. And so it, it's a, it's an unknown. I think people, the more consistency and quality evolves for licensed producers, the more people uh, will transition into the legal market. And obviously price will have to uh, match or meet what is happening in the black market as well to make it worth people's while. Whether they can do that or not, is, it still remains to be seen. We'll be right back. I want to tell you about a discount we're offering exclusively for 10.3 listeners on all Post Media digital subscriptions so you can get access to more great reporting on the issues that matter to you. When subscribing to the National Post, the Ottawa Citizen, the Montreal Gazette, the Saskatoon Star Phoenix, Regina Leader Post, Edmonton Journal, Calgary Herald, or the Vancouver Sun, just enter promo code PODCAST and you'll get 50% off a one-year digital subscription. It's a great way to stay informed. Again, that's promo code PODCAST. 
Now you just used a bunch of terms that uh, I'd never heard before. When it, like I, I've heard the words OG Kush before, but things like double A grade or or quad A, like a lot of that is going to be unfamiliar to the average Canadian, and even the average cannabis user in Canada may not be as into it to that degree. This seems like there's a lot of lifestyle behind it that people may be unfamiliar with that comes with that you're going to hear more and more of uh, as we get past October 17th. When you talk to people who've been recreational users for 20 years or more, or even people who've maybe only been a recreational user for the last few years, um, you know, there's 20% of that market that is into the premium quality uh, strains of cannabis. And and so they're the ones that are looking at this from the grading point of view and looking at the quality of the plant. They're looking at the, if it's dried flower, they're looking at the bud. They're looking at the, the trichomes, which are the crystals that appear on that bud. You know, the how dry is it? How moist is it? Does it smell musky? Because if it smells musky, that's a sign of mold. There's certainly educational tools out there for people who are interested. And obviously, the Growth Op has uh, some content like that where we're trying to help educate people on if you're buying dried flour, how do you grade that flour? Um, there's certainly some of the LPs that have, uh, for instance, Supreme. Um, license is a licensed producer and they have developed uh, or outlined their grading process and and what they hope to help users understand about you know again just like a sommelier would they look at the they look at the plant they smell the plant they touch it Uh, there's all these different things that feed into that and so I think it's really important for anyone coming into this for the first time or coming back to it after a long time away uh, really do your research Uh, look at the licensed producers all have content on their websites now and and a lot of it is education based to help you understand what you should be looking for and then you know again look at the media some of it is really uh still a challenge to get people to think past yes there's going to be an increase in people trying cannabis and having a bad experience and there will be an increase in visits to the hospital because people aren't sure what to do all of that is going to happen and i think we're you know we we've seen that in the news and it's continuing to pick up uh, as we get closer to wednesday you know kids eating their parents gummy bears and stuff like that some of this is just it's just the fear of the unknown and it's news because it's it's something that's we've never dealt with before but i think it's really important for everyone to do their research before they try it make sure you're doing it with a friend who maybe has done it before and has has some knowledge, go to sites like the Growth Up, go to sites like Leafly and other places where there are strain reviews and you can start to get a, a, you know, a sense of what you need to be looking for. But I think you know the bottom line is anyone who's using cannabis has to understand that what works for your friend may not work for you. We are all metabolizing this plant differently. You know, there is no one surefire description of if I try this OG Kush strain of cannabis, it's going to have this, this, and this effect on me. It might have some of those effects on you in varying degrees, but you also might not experience some of those effects because of the way you metabolize and perhaps the way you consumed it. You know, if you vaped it versus using an edible, that's going to change how how everything works as well. So there's there are layers to this, you know, and then that's I think the concern is that most people aren't going to look beyond the surface. And and that's where we're going to have uh, instances of people having a bad trip. Now, you mentioned edibles starting this Wednesday. It, it's just dried cannabis that's available for sale in Canada. Is that correct or does it vary province by province? 
So it's actually going to be dried flour, pre-rolled joints, and oils, which those oils can be either in a drop form or they could be in a, a, a gel cap form, and then obviously cannabis accessories. So there's going to be a couple formats, uh, but that, and that's going to be universal across the country. But edibles won't be part of that, and neither will uh, concentrates, which are typically used in vapes. Okay. So, so until uh, next year sometime, people who are a fan of edibles may have to learn how to do some baking on their own. Uh, one, one last question for you. What does this mean for medical marijuana users? That was the goal, was always about the medical cannabis user and getting this uh, into more mainstream treatment plans. I think the challenge that we're having, and we've seen it reported quite widely in the news, uh, especially in the last few weeks, is that organizations like the Canadian um, the Medical Association don't uh, believe uh, that the cannabis necessarily has a place in their treatment plans. There also is a real lack of education for doctors in this country on how to prescribe cannabis. In fact, to my knowledge, no university or uh, medical body within the country has launched or has announced any plans to update their cannabis education for doctors, which I think is a real gap. Uh, and then beyond that, we're also hearing, and again, I don't have any specific licensed producers that I can name, but I'm seeing a lot of people talking about uh, having a hard time getting their prescriptions filled right now by their licensed producer or uh, the amount or, or variety of strains that are available from their licensed producer has been reduced um, in the lead up to legalization. We know that inventory is a huge, huge issue right now, and we expect everyone pretty much to be sold out as of uh, Wednesday or, you know, shortly thereafter, because uh, all the licensed producers have said, or at least a handful of the major licensed producers like Canopy and Afria have said, there's no way we can meet the demand. So, you know, for medical patients, that's a big concern. You know, they are not recreational users. They are using this as part of their treatment plan, typically for chronic pain, depression, PTSD, uh, and, you know, a whole host of other uh, illnesses that their doctors have prescribed this for them. And in some cases, it may be their main treatment plan and they they mostly are not able to claim that for insurance so they're paying out of pocket so it's sort of like a like a double strike like hey they've got to pay out of their pockets for medicine that they've been prescribed um, and then on top of that now they're having a hard time actually filling those prescriptions and then you know even to layer on top of that now the federal government is is putting an excise tax on that so they're going to tax that medicine even more so for medical users you know i'm not sure how many people are super psyched about recreational cannabis becoming legal on wednesday because it's 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 affecting their medical uh, treatment in some cases well, there's a, a brave new world for Canada, a lot for us to learn, a lot to, to know. Megan, what's the GrowthOp website again? It's thegrowthop.com. Awesome. Well, thanks very much for your time. Thank you so much for having me. With cannabis set to become legal on Wednesday, provinces started the week making last-minute preparations. On Monday, Manitoba's government announced it was considering expanding its ban on smoking cannabis in public places to also include edibles, after discussions with Mad Canada raised the concern of overconsumption and hospitalization. In Alberta, that province's finance minister announced $11 million in funding to help cities with policing costs related to cannabis. And New Brunswick's Cannabis Authority released its price list for 76 products that will be available on Wednesday. Prices range from $6.50 for a pre-rolled joint up to $45 for oil products. 
This episode of 10-3 was produced by Carson Jarama with technical help from John Richardson in Toronto. Thanks to our guest Megan Henderson from The Growth Op. I'm Dave Breckenridge. Thanks for listening.